Patient satisfaction scores are not only a valuable way for hospitals to understand how well they're serving their most valuable stakeholders, they're also required in order to receive government reimbursement for services. Sometimes they can even tell you when adjacent restaurants are stealing their parking spaces. Hello and welcome to DataPoint, the podcast where we focus on all the ways that data and analytics are driving innovation in healthcare today. Our guest today is Kyle Robertson, the CEO of Narrative DX, a company that takes unstructured input from patients, sometimes coming from those very patient satisfaction surveys, and uses it to help healthcare organizations make better decisions with actionable insights based on their highly sophisticated artificial intelligence-driven algorithms. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kyle just as much as I did. Kyle, welcome to DataPoint. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you very much for having me. So I am really interested in uh, your background. We're going to talk a lot about what you're doing, the work here at Narrative DX, but I also want to get to know you a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be here running this uh, digital health company? Sure. Uh, it's a long and winding road, uh, and I never in a million years expected to find myself working in healthcare. Um, although it's a fascinating field with a lot to learn, uh, which is how I actually ended up here. I started as a computer engineer. So I went to college to be a computer engineer and math major, went to Iowa State, proud cyclone, and I got a job right out of college working at a large software company here in Austin. And I was put into the bug fix department. And I was not allowed to submit any code unless a senior architect came over and approved it. So that means I wrote about six lines of code in nine months. And that's just not what I got into it for. I wanted to build things, uh, and I, I wasn't really doing that. So I went through a big change. Uh, I took the LSAT, and I applied to law schools. And to my surprise, I got into a good one, so I wow. figured I should probably go. So in 2005, I enrolled at Boston College Law School. I graduated in 2008 as an intellectual property attorney, and I worked for a firm called Wilmer Hale in Boston. It's one of the big IP firms. I was very fortunate to work on cases for Cisco and Intel and people like that, but I think the really cool one, uh, we were defense counsel for Apple on the Apple versus Samsung cell phone wars. Wow. Uh, That was really great uh, for a while. It's, It's a lot of work and can can be tedious at times. And I, while I was good at it and I enjoyed it for a time, it isn't really what I wanted to do with my life. Sure. I really wanted to have uh, what I thought was a little larger scale impact. Um, and in 2011, I was sitting in my office at work and I saw on TV an ad for text message donations to the Red Cross. Okay. And being a lawyer, I read the fine print at the bottom of this ad and it said half of the donation went as a fee to the cell phone company and that it took 120 days for the money to get to the recipients. And I remember thinking to myself, I remember enough about programming to make an app that does that. And I had this radical mindset shift and I just was possessed with this idea. And I gave notice at the law firm and founded my first company. It was called iCare, was the first uh, mobile crowdfunding platform for charitable causes and disaster relief. I sold that company in 2012 and through a mutual connection, I met my co-founder of Narrative DX, whose Mm -hmm. name is Sanim Ganay, who is a PhD at UT Austin studying the importance of patient comment feedback. So by a long series of events, I found myself bumping into a brilliant woman who had an idea about how to use this new source of data to help health systems improve at a time where they were becoming increasingly focused on consumerism. It was lightning in a bottle at the right timing. I had some good relationships from my first company with a venture capital group called called Live Oak Venture Partners here in Mm -hmm. Austin. They very graciously helped us fund the company. And now years later, here we are. 
So before we go there, I'm really curious with iCare, did you ever have an opportunity to work with Red Cross uh, I, to I, solve their problem? I did. We onboarded over a million nonprofits in the U.S. and supported donations to all of them. In the end, the nonprofit fundraising landscape is very, very difficult, and running a consumer app company is a difficult proposition. So I feel very lucky that I got out of it alive and learned some lessons along the way. Seriously, though, that certainly sounds like something that needed to be disrupted it, in that way. That's it, criminal that uh, that they're getting so little money and so late in a business where feet on the ground instantly is so important. That is exactly what I thought as well. How about that? So let's talk about patient experience a little bit, because I've worked in healthcare for 20 years now. And for all 20 of those, people have been talking about patient experience and, you know, consumer experience, if you want to talk about healthcare consumers. But it doesn't seem like it's changed all that much. I'm wondering, what is it about uh, the current time that makes this the time to actually do something different around patient experience? That's, that's a great question. It's changed a lot uh, very recently. So people will tell you that patient experience has been a focus for decades, and to some extent that's true. Um, patient satisfaction surveys and things like that have existed for quite a while. But what's really happened is a shift towards consumerism in the market and the need for hospitals and health systems to understand and learn from customer, in this case patient, mm -hmm. feedback. Other industries have been doing that for a number of years. The impetus for health systems to pay attention to that was actually partly due to the Affordable Care Act. Okay. Under the Affordable Care Act, there are surveys called CAPS surveys, spelled C-A-H-P-S, but they are checkbox surveys that give patients an opportunity to provide feedback on their care experience. Not, was your knee healed, but rather, how did the doctors, nurses, and staff treat you? Did they explain things? Did they communicate to you? And as part of these surveys, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services withholds reimbursement from hospitals if they do not improve these scores. So right now, under this new regime, if you're a health system in the, in the United States, you get scores, checkbox scores, about if your nurses are communicating well. If you don't improve those, you lose a significant amount of money. Mm. And oh, by the way, the way that you treat patients is the number one reason someone chooses where they go to the doctor today. So many more reputational and referral-based reasons beyond just the Medicare reimbursement. But all of these together paint a very compelling financial picture for why hospitals and health systems are paying attention to what their patients say. And that makes sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about that survey itself. Uh, so many government surveys are sort of radio buttons and, and Likert scales. Tell me about the, the CAP survey and uh, you know what that, what that experience is like for the patient and what kind of data it winds up producing. Yep, uh, it's radio buttons and Likert scales, um, mostly administered by pen and paper, sometimes by voice. Um, but the official regulated survey from the government is required to be administered those ways, pen and paper by okay. voice. What we're seeing is that hospitals get back delayed up to 30, 60, 90 days because these are mailed and returned in. They're receiving delayed results that talk about things at a level that's not actionable. Hmm. Your nurses are not communicating, but they still don't know why. What they do is collect the comments off of those and send them around to different people in the organization and ask them to read them, try to digest them, and figure out what they should do. It's very disorganized. It's not consistent across the organization. There's no way to summarize, trend, and understand across the organization what's going on. And it also takes a lot of time to read mm -hmm. these comments. Right? That's the state of the game today. And what health systems are, are really yearning for is help me understand what my patients want and need in a very actionable way. 
That's not provided by these current surveys. And that's where our opportunity comes in. So the patient fills out the uh, radio buttons and you know rates from one to five or whatever it might be, but then they can add a comment that's that exactly describes. Right. Interesting. Do you have a sense of how often comments are included? Is that mm-hmm. a regular thing? So it's about 33% of the time, about a third of the surveys have okay. a comment. We find that those comments usually talk about multiple things. So each comment is actually several data points. My doctor was cool, but the food was too cool when it got to me, right? Those are two separate insights in that comment. We also find that the surveys, which patient experience professionals have considered the holy grail of data, is really only one of the places patients provide feedback. Okay. There are other sources hospitals receive, such as grievances, letters people write in, or rounding where they go around and collect feedback from the patients while they're in the facility. Also, people comment online and other places like social media. How do you understand and collect all of that feedback when it's distributed in so many different places? Right. What we've helped helped health systems do is expand the scope of what they're considering patient voice by looking at other places, which is very important because the same demographics that respond to a pen and paper survey are not the same people who respond online. So if you want to understand all of your patients, you have to be able to hear their voices wherever they provide them. Now, that's interesting. I would think, you know, when I think about uh, patient commentary, especially around a patient's satisfaction, I immediately think about Yelp and about reputation of the organization, which, you know, sort of naturally flows into a marketing and communications direction. Is that what Narrative VX is all about? Uh, understanding reputational impact? That's a great question. So one of the side effects of what we do is helping you understand reputational impact. But the real key difference between Narrative VX and reputation management products is what we're trying to accomplish. Okay. I think of reputation management products as putting lipstick on the pig, so to speak. How do you make sure that what a consumer sees is what we want them to perceive about our health system? What NerdWX is trying to do is use that data and other data to help the health system figure out what targeted actions do I need to take to actually improve. And the theory is if you make those improvements, then that will trickle through to the online reputation. And what's actually been proven in recent studies is the most effective method of loyalty and reputation management is providing exceptional patient experiences, not grooming how you look online. Yeah, and that is, uh, it sounds akin to uh, solving a dandelion problem by cutting off the tops. Exactly uh, right. And either they come back or you wind up having to dig them out. And it sounds like you're talking about getting into the digging them out business. That's exactly right. We are telling you what is wrong specifically and what you should do to fix it. So talk to me a little bit about the organizations where you've seen your model succeed. Mm -hmm. My guess is that having uh, access to more data is better than having access to less data. That would imply maybe some bigger systems. Can you tell me a little bit about where you've seen the most value provided to your customers? Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. So what we've actually found is that health systems have a variety of data sources. So even at the level of 50 bed hospitals, in fact, we work with one here, Hamilton Hospital in Hamilton, Texas, that's a 50 bed hospital. If you look across the data sources and if you're able to treat each comment as multiple data points, the doctor was cool and the food was cool, Mm -hmm. then you can actually have enough volume even at those small facilities. But the value proposition changes drastically when you get to large systems like a Cedar sinai 
they have a volume of data that is physically impossible to look through by oh human. Yeah. Right. So at that scale, it is absolutely necessary to have something like this. Right. So on the smaller hospitals, it's the aggregation across multiple places and providing sure. more insights. And it's at the large end managing the unwieldy data sources and the difficulty of understanding that at scale. Okay. I want to pick that back up when we come back from our break. We're going to be right back with Kyle Robertson from Narrative DX. So stick around. Today's show is brought to you by Blue Spire, a full-service digital marketing agency focused on complex and highly regulated industries of healthcare, senior living, and financial services. Rapid changes in the healthcare industry are causing consumers to seek out trusted advice, demand more transparency and access to information and content. With over 30 years of healthcare experience, Blue Spire knows how to help you reach, communicate with, and gain trust from these consumers. We help you engage with the right content at every touchpoint. From the first symptom search to appointment scheduling through care management. Visit us at bluespiremarketing.com to learn how we can help you deliver relevant, engaging content through ever-changing touchpoints that matter. And we are back on Data Point with Kyle Robertson. Kyle, when we left, we were talking a little bit about the, I guess, the operational significance of some of the data that you're working with. One of the things that I've often found difficult to deal with when dealing with unstructured data like patient comments or social media data is that, you know, for all the tools out there that claim that they can do automated sentiment analysis, I've never found one that was worth a darn. How, how do you get around that problem? Or is that even a problem that you tackle? No, that's a, that's a great question. So we think sentiment analysis is a great starting point, but we don't think it's actually helpful by itself for health systems today. These surveys that they administer tell you to the level of detail that your nurses aren't communicating well. What we think you need to do from the comments is not understand if they're positive or negative, but use those comments to understand why are the nurses not communicating well and what can I do about that. We call this process root cause identification. Okay. We actually received a patent on this from the U.S. government, so we invented a way with very high accuracy to use AI to understand what these root causes are. So where we really show the value is by understanding from the comments, your nurses aren't communicating well because they are not introducing themselves to the patient when they walk into the room. That's a specific and actionable behavior that the health system can train for and then see the change in our system from that training. Yeah, that's remarkable. And that's a great example. I, I can imagine the breadth of examples are probably uh, nearly infinite, but are there some more that you could share with us? What kinds of things have you unearthed? Sure, um, I have a really cool one. So we work with a large health system uh, that had a problem with parking lots. And they ask us as, as a client, can you help me understand why patients are having so many concerns with parking lots? We're about to build a garage. We think that more spaces is going to help. And we took their patient comments from their patient satisfaction surveys as well as online sources and, and performed an analysis. And I went out there to present to them and, and I walked into the room of these executives and I said, well, I think I figured it out. Uh, we looked into your parking problem and what we found was that the valets are parking in patient parking spots. Okay, the valets. The valets. And one of the executives in the back of the room stands up and goes, Kyle, you're wrong. There's no way that that is what's going on because we don't employ any valets. Okay. What we had found was that their outpatient facilities are located next to restaurants. Those restaurants have valets who were parking the restaurant cars in the patient parking. 
Patients would comment on their surveys and online that the valets were taking the spots. Since the health system didn't employ valets, they weren't looking for this. We surfaced that very easily, and now, instead of building a garage, they're simply talking to that valet service about where they can park and where they can't. But when you think of the fact that a space in a parking garage is $17,000 per space, that's a huge cost savings, simply by understanding what was important to the patients. And that's one of those things that is really, it's truly remarkable in that if you don't know to look for a problem, it becomes really difficult to see it. It reminds me of Jurassic Park when they weren't looking for the dinosaurs laying eggs because all the dinosaurs they engineered were females and they had no idea that they should look for you know, that uh, transition of gender, it's not quite as dramatic with the parking situation, but that's one of those that you wouldn't normally think about. That, that's right. And this is one of the fundamental blind spots with these structured surveys. They only collect information on what you know to ask about. So if you don't know the problem exists and provide a question for that, you're not going to get that information back unless you're able to understand from the patient's own voice what they left in the comments. Interesting. Have you, in your experience in working with health systems in particular, are people particularly coming to you because they have a, per, a specific problem or they think they have a specific problem or, uh, you know, in other words, are they correcting a perceived deficit or are they coming to you saying, hey, I want to build some strategic advantage uh, to get ahead of my competition here. What's the general state of mind from your customers? Uh, so it is all over the place. So we find health systems in very different uh, places in their life cycle. Some organizations want to understand not how do I get more patients, but how do I get the right kind of patients? Okay. I want to be able to understand men in my ortho line so that I can focus on that high revenue generating service line. We have other clients that say, I don't even know where to start. Help me understand what I should prioritize. Is it the facilities? Is it the food? Is it the way that the doctors communicate with men? We need to understand these things. And then finally, I'd say the majority of folks have some concept of what they want to focus on. We know that nurse communication is important. They look to us to help them understand it's the nurses not introducing themselves. Mm. It's the nurses talking loudly at night at the nurse station outside the room. Right. What is it on a specific unit by unit, service line by service line, or per facility basis? Interesting. So you mentioned earlier that your customers have an opportunity to see how they're doing in the future. That would imply you're doing more than just doing a benchmark report, handing it over, and walking out the door. Tell me about what this ongoing relationship looks like and how uh, it provides benefit to your customers. We take customer success very seriously. We do not think that a successful model is one in which we give our partners software and hope that they figure out how to do it. Sure. We're partners in helping drive the change. Uh, We think in order for someone to justify purchasing software, you need to be able to show real results from that. You need to be able to walk into the CFO's office and say, hey, we made an investment in this. And it wasn't just about warm fuzzies and making patients feel better because it's the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. which it is, by the way but because there's real financial impact. So for example, patient experience is actually about operating margin and efficiency. When patients say, I didn't understand how doctors were explaining things to me, that surfaces on a patient satisfaction survey. But what it really means is, I don't know what to do when I go home and I may end up getting readmitted to the ER. Sure. Or when people say the rooms were cluttered at night. Well, why should you care about the rooms being cluttered? Because when that patient gets out of bed to go to the bathroom, that clutter may make them slip and fall. That's a safety issue. 
patients perceive these things and reflect that back to the health system in their experiences on these surveys. It's not traditionally thought of as data that can inform quality or safety. However, we're finding that it is. That is really interesting. Now, one of the things I'm curious about, having worked with uh, integrating data from multiple sources, with CAP scores, you have a, a solid idea of who this patient is and what, you know, what ward they were on and what nurses they might have been talking to. When you start integrating social media data, for example, or data from other sources, you may or may not be able to nail those profiles down. How does Narrative DX deal with those kind of situations? We're very, very good at extracting from the context of different comments across different sources what is going on. So online review sites are always keyed on the doctor's name, right? You sure. go to Dr. Jones's profile. Uh, Yelp pages and things like that are often queued on facility names. We do a process called named entity recognition where we're able to extract the names of people such as Dr. Kyle, Nurse Kyle, mm -hmm. um, or all of the staff members in Unit 4E. We're smart enough to know from that who the patient is talking about. Got it. And that, that completely makes sense. Are you seeing, for example, what are, what are some of the success stories that you've seen with your customers? Are you seeing, you know, that people are unearthing and able to address issues and are measuring them successfully? T tell me about what some of that looks like. Yep. What we're finding is that our software allows large health systems all the way down to 50-bed hospitals to perform voice of the patient analysis in minutes, not hours. And the value of that surfaces in a variety of different ways based on what the health system is trying to accomplish. So, for example, one of our clients last year increased their likelihood to recommend scores by 30%. Now, there's a variety of activities going on at any time within a health system, but Narrative DX is the intel inside that helps prioritize and inform specific actions to take. Sure. You could do a lot of things. How do you know which ones are high impact and how not? How do you, this user is a very sophisticated user who needed us to help them do very specific things. And along with their other initiatives, a really, really big change. Um, some other more tangible dollar figures, we helped a hospital increase their value-based purchasing by $400,000 last year, Holy which cow. was, yeah, over 10x ROI, which was great. We have another client who improved 21 out of 26 of their HCAPS measures in a quarter by knowing exactly what to do. For example, their nurse communication scores were low because they were running out of blankets. Huh. The patients would ask a nurse for a blanket. The nurse would say we ran out. The patient would check. My nurse didn't listen to me on the survey. Wow. Right? So being able to take those targeted actions really moves the scores. And we do all of this in an automated way. So all of the time people use to try to figure this out before, they get back to actually go make the changes. The real winning combination is software that helps augment your intelligence mm. and saves you the time to go act on. That completely makes sense. And I, the, I, the last question here, because I think we've been leading up to this a little bit, at the hospital and health system that is your customer, who's who's listening? Who's watching? Uh, you know, is that uh, is that a chief nursing officer? Is it a chief strategy officer? Who's who's uh, the one that's typically driving the bus on your customer side? It has been changing over the past several years. Okay. Very interestingly, patient experience. Let's say ten years ago was under the purview of the chief nursing officer in many organizations. As consumerism has become a focus, there's been the rise of the chief patient experience officer. My co-founder is our chief patient experience officer. That's the primary uh, peer that we have at Health Systems and the person directing the show on the patient experience mm -hmm. side. But what we're finding is patient experience is a, is a 
a mixture of different stakeholders and different organizations. Usually people involved in that include the CFO signing off on software or the financial impact of patient experience, but it also goes all the way down to service line leaders and the people who are expected to deliver those changes. Yeah. It really is, when done effectively, a complete health system-wide transformation effort. Patient experience provides buy-in from the staff, physicians, and all those other people to really move in an efficient and improvement-oriented direction. Fantastic. Well, I thank you so much for your time and for introducing us to this work you're doing. It is really, really exciting to see Narrative DX succeeding. And uh, if you're out there and want to find out more, we can go to narrativedx.com. That's right? correct. There's actually a fantastic webinar that I just watched with your customer at Cedar sinai I would encourage you to go out and take a look at that. It's a great way to peek inside uh, what are the real impacts of using a platform like this. So Kyle, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the DataPoint podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at Chai Moose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.